Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. And your New York Knicks were just good enough to beat basically a G League team, 106 to 94 in Memphis. We're going to get into Deuce McBride having a really good game in Jalen Brunson's absence. The rest of the team, maybe not so much, except Malachi Flynn, who also had a good game and yet somehow also didn't play any minutes in the second half. Bizarre one, bizarre game. We're getting into it next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com and use code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out in your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. Make sure you hit that notification bell on YouTube or the auto-download function on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. So we're here for you guys. Sometimes up to seven days a week, but uh, we were this week, uh, most of the time five days a week. But yeah, we're, we're here quite a bit. A lot going on this next season. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find Strick.land. And he's Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster, favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And the Knicks played like your, uh, not, your favorite team's least favorite underachievers. I don't know. Gavin, this is a rough game. <laughs> but... Deuce McBride was really good. I mean, the Knicks basically like played around, played just atrociously sloppy in this game. Uh, what was their final turnover total? 22. Oh. Just horrendous. Uh, 22 turnovers to 25 assists as a team, which, I mean, I'm honestly surprised they even had that many assists. Like, it was just a really unpleasing brand of basketball. But Deuce McBride at least had a really, really good game with Jalen Brunson sitting out for the first time this year. Yeah, Alex. I mean, they I think well, obviously we'll get into a more second segment, but they I think essentially played the same game they played against the Mavericks. They just didn't have Jalen Brunson. Fortunately, instead of Kyrie Irving and, and Tim Hardaway uh Jr., it was it was uh Gilliard. I'm clicking on his name right now. Jacob Gilliard, of course. Um, Xavier Tillman, David Roddy, Luke Kennard, uh Vince Williams Jr. And it still still could have gotten dicey down the stretch if if our guy Deuce McBride was not absolutely cooking. Uh, one of the best games of his young career, 19 points, six rebounds, five assists, seven to 10 from the field, four for seven from three. Um, he, he is an high-level NBA shooter, or at least he's, he's looking like one so far. Maybe we want the sample size to be a little bit bigger, but Alex, this game brought him to 15 of 29 from three since the trade. Uh, that's really good. I, I think his off-ball movement, because he's not – like a self-creation three guy continues to be really solid. Like the first one he hit on the night was um, Dante DiVincenzo driving to the basket and, and Deuce just tracking his movement in turn, moving to the wing. So to clear passing lane, catch and shoot, like he was hitting it consistently over contest. But what he showed in this one that he hasn't really shown in the past is the ability to beat a big on the switch. Um, in this game is Xavier Tillman, who's a very solid defender, and, and Deuce was just torching him for the most part. The highlight there was like a nasty like re um, Euro step reverse layup, finished with like the outside hand. Like I didn't know he had that in his bag. That was nice. Hit Isaiah Hartenstein on like this beautiful like pick and roll, like lefty, like 
bowling ball style pocket pass, like coming across his body. Like there, there was some good point guard stuff in tonight's game. Like I, I still have some, some small nitpicks here and there. Like I want him to turn the corner more consistently in PNR because I think so many times, like they, they run it for him and he just stops his dribble for no reason and resets to Julius Randle. Cause I think he, he's just used to that being his role in the offense, but overall the level of confidence with which he's shooting the ball and, and playing was essential for the Knicks in this game is if he came out and he was like, I'm, I'm not really ready for this. Like the Knicks could have very easily lost this game. Yeah. Luckily we know that he's that breed of player. That's never going to be like that. So even when the rest of the team is mailing it in, I mean, he was still doing a great job on the defensive end too. He was hounding ball handlers, help force some turnovers that way uh, by sticking with his man and just kind of forcing awkward situations. There was, I think two or three steals that got generated, you know, just off of the pressure that he was creating at the point of attack. And then on offense, yeah, I'm with you. Like props to the Knicks too for recognizing after the first couple of games when he had to get a few minutes of like, okay, we can't just be like, go out there and do the stuff quickly did because he's, he's just a different player. Like quickly so often would be out there on the perimeter, sauce up his guy organically blow by someone himself, you know, like in a one-on-one -on -one situation, not really need any help to do it and just, you know, put the guy on his hip and then just figure it out from there. Very similar to what Brunson does. And Deuce just doesn't have that. I mean, to your point, he's still sort of figuring things out, even with pick and rolls. And some of it, I think, it, like you said, I think it's, I think it's a good observation. Like, I think it's just a confidence level thing along with a, I'm being trusted to do more thing. You know, we have seen in the past, like I was predicting uh, when I was thinking about this before the game to myself, I was thinking like, I wouldn't be surprised if this was like the Houston game is rookie year, which like is a real deep cut, I guess, at this point, because it was two years ago. It was like a one off game where he had to start uh, during a small little stretch of games. He had to start when, you know, the first couple guys ahead of him were injured. But I mean, he had a really good game in that one because he just kind of played free and just went out there and and did his thing and i thought we were going to see maybe even a little more of that in this one and he still seemed maybe just a little bit still figuring it out but all in all like ran the pick and roll well when he was committed to getting all the way in used that as an opportunity to sort of press the defense a bit and then made like you said some really nice little pocket passes to to keep the action going i mean i just think i think this was this was as much as any like and i mean you know you Obviously, he had a he scored a career high in this game, so of course it's kind of a coming out party for him. But this game felt the most complete of any of his efforts since he's gotten into a larger role. Go figure, it happened in the start and and against a team that's more the type of competition he's usually shined against, uh, like G League type guys. So that maybe plays into it a little bit. But oh no, I I enjoyed this one from him. I thought it was uh, probably probably one of the best games of his career. Yeah, and, and look, he was he was awesome against the Sixers, so I want to say that before I make this next comment, but I think we still need to see it against better competition consistently. He's still like not totally a point guard in my book. Like he does some point guard stuff and he's 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 a solid passer and he's a very smart player. To me, like the the biggest issue there is him just not quite having the handle and today he showed that a little bit again like breaking down Tillman a, a few times. He's also going to have to do that at times like we're just one-on-one -on -one, and like he's going to have to isolate and be able to get a bucket against an opposing point guard. And that's something like essentially his whole career we we've very rarely seen him do. 
But the nice thing about the situation the Knicks are in, like with, with the cushion they're building in all, all the games they're winning, I think now six and one since the OG Ananobi trade, like they don't necessarily have to rush on like bringing in someone like a Malcolm Brogdon. They can kind of take their time, I guess, pending the competition on that trade market and give Deuce a few more games to, as you noted, like say like, hey, wait, I don't have to like stop halfway through a pick and roll and give the ball back to Julius Randle. Like I'm empowered to do my thing. And even, even if it's only in, 15 minutes on a certain night, like he can still go out there and, and, and try some new things. And Tom Thibodeau isn't going to pull him because there isn't that Emmanuel quickly as an alternate option there. So I, I still want to see more. I still need to see more. Do I think things are going to go great if he's the backup point guard in a playoff series? Like, I don't know. I think, I think the nights he's, he's cooking from three, it'll look fine. And, and the nights he isn't like there, there is some stuff lacking there in terms of like creating flow on offense. But th this, this was an awesome night for him. I, I just think it's worth projecting forward a tiny bit. Yeah, I wonder, I mean, what's the point with Deuce at this point where you start to reconsider what the Knicks should be looking for around the trade deadline? Because I, I was kind of thinking about that yesterday. Like, he's he's clearly progressing. I don't know how confident I am in him handling the ball, but, like, if the Knicks find themselves in a situation where, let's say, the Hawks go semi-nuclear and they trade DeJounte Murray... And then the Knicks get an opportunity to maybe go after like Bogdanovich from there or something like that. Who's more of like a, a combo. Like he can handle the ball a little bit. He can create a little bit, but isn't necessarily a guy that you want. He's sort of Dante ish, you know, where like he can, he can handle the ball some and initiate some stuff, but isn't necessarily built for that. Hmm. Would you feel like how much more good play from deuce would you have to see before you're feeling pretty decent about that? Cause I, I don't know. I was trying to think about it and I'm like, man, I still just, I, I just don't know if there's a, a threshold short of him, like all of a sudden starting to just sauce guys up off the dribble constantly where I would feel totally comfortable, even though I feel a lot better about his play right now. Totally agreed with you. I, to me, like you need to trade for someone who can beat their guy off the dribble. And like, I, th I just think they have enough shooting and obviously Bogdanovich is more than that to your point. Like he can occasionally win off the dribble. Like he can pass, like he, he is a super talented player, but then like, is he just taking Quentin Grimes minutes and some of DiVincenzo's and some of hearts, like, to me, like that is still the spot to upgrade. And I guess that's at the end of the day, that's sort of the toughest thing with Deuce, right? Because he's just too small for Tom Thibodeau, even in a bench unit, I think, to consistently play the two. Or if he is playing the two, then are you just bumping Quinn Grimes out of the rotation entirely and saying like, all right, we just think Deuce is a better player in a vacuum. So that's the bummer of this. Like if you do trade for a point guard, like Deuce is totally on the outs. I just think with the way this Knicks team is structured, um, you need somebody who could create off the dribble. And the best case for Deuce going forward is if the Knicks did get some kind of like big initiator. Um, like I'm thinking of even someone like DeMar DeRozan would qualify for me that you could put in a bench unit as a nominal like creator and, and just let Deuce like be a spot up shooter because he's a fantastic spot up shooter. And like, and at that point, if like your ball handler is six, five, it's okay. If you have an off ball guy who's six, two, six, three. Yeah. Deuce really like if he was, if he was the size of like Quentin Grimes or yeah. even slightly bigger, he would probably make so much money in his NBA career. Like oh, so 100%. much more money. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like he's, he's just turning into like a perfect three and D guy that can dribble the ball, that can initiate a little bit. And I, I hope he continues to evolve. Like he's, he was fairly young, even not being a freshman coming into the league. So like, I still have hopes that he could still get better, but like we are reaching that sort of point now where it's like, okay, he's in year three now. You know, they just gave him a new contract. It has very little expectations attached to it. So he kind of gets that like 
rookie grace period for another like three, four years. Yeah, look, look let me just throw that out. He doesn't yeah. turn 24 until the start of next year. So he could, he could yeah. theoretically be just like a super old rookie this year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he's still got he's still got some late blooming time, but I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I do feel like the Knicks, if they hold on to him and he remains their sort of like reserve guard, you know, that they keep like just kind of on ice, like they're in pretty good shape. You could do a hell of a lot worse than than Deuce McBride in a pinch when you really need someone. Um, and we'll see. I and mean, maybe he'll continue developing this year and show us something that we haven't seen yet. Uh, but Gavin, there was some stuff that I wish we hadn't seen in this game, and that came from pretty much everybody else on the team. Uh, Julius Randle really had a, uh, even though you look at the box score, it doesn't look too bad. He had a pretty subpar effort. A lot of guys that normally make shots could not make shots. They were turning over the ball constantly. It was a very sloppy game against effectively a G League team. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, you want to let everyone know about our friends over at Jason Medical. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. This is scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than us getting to the playoffs. Big podcast, Game 7. We just beat the Cavs 168-44. to I can't believe it got to Game 7 with that score. And Alex is out for the pod uh, with, with strep throat. And, and it was just because he, he there was a supply chain issue and he didn't get the uh, podcast saving medication needed. Or of course, in a more serious issue, there could be a supply chain issue. You might literally not be able to get life-saving medication that you need. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics that treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinitis, skin infections, among others. This could happen to any of us. So visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. So go to jacemedical.com and use offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. Alrighty, we were uh, talking about a potential medical disaster. Now it's time to talk about a real-life basketball disaster, Alex. Uh, that was the first two quarters of this ball game. I'm trying to find the clip in the second quarter. That was, I think it was on our buddy Ben Ridholtz's Twitter, um, where it was just total freaking chaos. And and like the Knicks threw it away, I think. Two or three straight times. I mean, I can. I'm, I'm not going to find it right now on the fly, which is a sh shame because I wanted to do like live play by play of it. But that's all right. Um, in the first, like I was tracking the first few possessions. They threw it away the first two possessions. Then there was a play where Dante Divincenzo, like I don't know how, but just got totally turned around off the ball, and he gave but three. And then they were like, I mean, everyone was sloppy outside of Deuce, basically, to start this game. They had two different post entries to Isaiah Hartenstein that sailed out of bounds. Deuce had another one that, or not Deuce, uh, Dante had another one that he threw to Randall when Randall was wide open that he just like chucked like 10 feet out of bounds. It was across the board, guys jogging back in transition. Um, and it was frustrating because Alex, I went on um, the Grizzlies, like uh, they do like a pregame show just for YouTube and, and online shout out to uh, KJ for hosting me on that. Um, and she, she started off by being like, so our top seven or our top eight guys are out. I'm like, all right, well the Knicks should win. But she's like, is there a key to the game? Like, yeah, it's that they take them seriously because they didn't take the D Dallas Mavericks ser seriously. And as our buddy, Jonathan Macri said, they effed around and they found out and the Knicks effed around in this one, 
Fortunately, their opponent was just too bad for them to find out. But in any other scenario, Alex, they would have found out this was sloppy, a little bit frustrating. And I was just kind of surprised coming off the Dallas game. We didn't see the Knicks come out and just roll over this Grizzlies team. Yeah, and you would have loved to have seen them just, you know, if anything, just try to try to take things a little more seriously in terms of like, hey, Deuce is out here. We've been trying to get him going a bit. Like, let's try to be our best selves out here and make things, you know, like figure out things that work with Deuce and whatever. Like, God forbid Brunson has to be out for more than a game or two. This is the game where you like figure out, you know, hey, what can we have with this guy? And like, how can we function if, you know, Jalen Brunson has to miss any time at all? And instead, it was just like when they first came out, it was like they assumed that they were just going to be playing a bunch of like practice dummies. You know what I mean? Like I don't like they were expecting a bunch of traffic cones to just be on one side of the court. And that was it. And, you know, it just wasn't that it was it, it was a team that played with pride. You know, like the Grizzlies clear, clearly came out and they were like, well, we understand that we're missing like our top six rotation players going into this game. And we're not going to let that, you know, stop the fact that like we're a hungry group of NBA players or fringe NBA players, whatever. And we want to prove that we belong in the league and like props to them. Like, like Gigi Jackson looked awesome. Yeah. I former know our, number one recruit coming out of high school. So maybe, maybe they got a steal there. Right. And a big, uh, our, our buddy prize, big fan of Gigi's as well. So, I mean, I know that he was probably like, see, I told you, um, <laughs> Luke Kennard though. Like you can't take him. You can't just like completely ignore him. He's a longtime NBA vet, even if he's kind of like, I guess sort of peaked at this point. David Roddy was dangerous like last year and this year. I mean, there's like there's NBA talent on this team, even if they were end of bench NBA talent. Like there's this is basically just a showing of like you can't come in and sleepwalk against any team in the NBA. Like the NBA top to bottom is too talented at this point to come out with that kind of effort. And like the, the thing that made it the most frustrating was just that it wasn't I mean, the Grizzlies were playing like like they had someone tagging, you know, Deuce pretty far up the court most of the time. Like they were kind of doing similar to what Dallas did the other night, honestly, of just kind of like keeping someone in the Knicks face the entire night. Um, you know, whoever was bringing the ball up the floor, like having someone meet them well before half court to start bugging them and, you know, get in their face and, you know, start getting things, uh, trying to discombobulate the Knicks a bit. But you would expect a playoff team like the Knicks to respond better than they did. And instead, all they did was just be like, Ah oh, man, we came out here like thinking that we were just gonna have an easy time. We were just gonna throw all these lottie da passes and like, it, you know, just coast to a win today. And the Grizzlies, Grizzlies were like, "No, that's not gonna happen." And I don't know that the craziest stat to me was like, I think they had fifteen turnovers or something like by the by midway through the second quarter. And they said that on the broadcast, and I was just like, "Let me just look at the first half." So I know I'm not talking out my butt there. Uh, they ended up with 14, 14 turnovers in the first half. That's normally what they do for a whole game. And so like, that was the point where I was like, yeah, this is really bad, dude. Like you guys need to like get your ass together and, you know, figure this out. Um, and luckily they did just enough, but I don't know, top to bottom. I, I noticed I haven't even really been pointing out individual players because they were kind of just all bad, but like Randall needed to play better in this game. Like he played way too selfish Ananobi played really sloppy given like what his role is on this team, like a, a one to two assist to turnover ratio, two assists, four turnovers, not great out of his spot. Um, Hartenstein even was a little sloppy with the ball at times. Like 
it's just, and you know it's tough to rail on him at all because he had otherwise a phenomenal game that really kind of saved the Knicks in many regards. I, with I thought his defense points. sucked in the first half despite the three blocks, and then he was great down the stretch. But I I did not. We can we can get into it later. But I I didn't like his defense. That's true. I'm with you there. I, but like just ultimately the rebounds and stuff For down sure. the stretch did kind yeah, of save great. the Knicks. Like mm-hmm. they needed that in this game. But yeah, all in all. Very forgettable game. I hope we don't see another one like this soon because that that's a really bad omen for. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't good. And I thought, like, I don't know. Maybe maybe we could wait until after the break to get into it. But I thought Julius Randle like just epitomized that more than anything else. Like, and I, I guess like obviously this happens once every three or four games, so you shouldn't be surprised this time. But he had a play where like he got blocked from behind because it was like David Roddy or someone. Like his ego was hurt, and he and he just spent like five seconds staring at the ref. Instead of getting back and he left his teammates out to dry and like the Grizzlies, they had a wide open three. It went in and out like no harm was done nominally. But like, like if you're a serious team, if you have championship aspirations, like that crap can't fly. Like it just is going to kill you. And the thing that gets me is like, it's not just a regular season thing where he's like, all right, it's the playoffs. Like I'm, I'm done. Like we, we watched him do that stuff against the heat. And like Julius has done. Some exceptional stuff, exceptional things this year. He's carried the Knicks at, po- at points. If, if he wasn't on the team, if, if they traded him away, like we were suggesting four games in the season, the Knicks would like maybe be in the lottery. And like we'd be talking about like, all right, like, can we find a way to get top by pick? Like he's an incredible basketball player, but that kind of stuff will never not annoy me, especially on a night where you're shorthanded and struggling with a team that you should absolutely kill. It's the kind of game where you better run your butt back. And like you, you took, you take them lightly. They make one or two more threes. Like, you're in trouble down the stretch and you're facing down like the ugliest two game losing streak this team has had in like the entire Tom Thibodeau era. So um, again, just one play like you did some good stuff. We can get into it next segment, Alex, but like that, that just really annoyed me. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Gavin. Um, and you know what? I want to use this opportunity to go into the next segment. Well, we're going to praise Malachi Flynn some, which mm. is cool. So that that's a big positive. He had a really productive uh, 10 minutes in the first half of this game and then weirdly zero minutes in the second half even though i feel like they could have gotten away with that uh but before i do that i want to talk a little bit about how julius randall and dante divincenzo and some of the other guys on this team cost me a ton of money on FanDuel. <laughs> so the nfl regular season is over we're in the playoffs but there is still time to get in on the action with FanDuel. America's number one sports book right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's just five bucks to get 150 bucks. Uh, and that's again, 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. So you don't even have to win. That's crazy. That's a, that's a real good deal. And the thing with FanDuel Sportsbook, the app is so easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays, and more. I What I wanted to allude to right before we went to break, I played a live same-game parlay, or actually, I played one live one, but then I played a couple before the game, and most of them involved Julius Randle scoring an easy 25 to 30 points against basically a G League team. And then I had a couple that were dependent on Dante DiVincenzo hitting like four or five threes, which if he shot at his normal percentage would not have been an issue. He shot three of 11 in this game. So it hurt, man. I would have won a lot of money. (laughs) It was not fun. But anyway, it's fun to do. It certainly gave me something else (laughs) to get mad about in this game other than just the Knicks, uh, the Knicks not playing well. 
Uh, and it was it was a lot of fun. So if you want to, for a couple bucks a night, spice up every Knicks game, it's my favorite way to do it. So if you want to join in, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, Gavin, we're back in. Continuing talking through this game. And uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. Is there any other closing points you want to make about the 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 starters and all that shenanigans before we get into Malachi Flynn. Cause I'm, I'm pretty excited to talk about Malachi Flynn. Honestly, I wanted to see him the one game I got to see live recently against the Blazers. Uh, I was really hoping to see him because that was such a huge blowout and then he barely played. And then this game, he gets 10 minutes in the first half and I thought he really showed something. Yeah, he was great. Um, I, I guess final point on, on, on the other stuff was um, like essentially everything you got at. Like I thought Isaiah Hardenstein had, um, three blocks in the first half. And again, the box score stats look awesome. The offensive rebounding, seven offensive rebounds, all amazing in, in 42 minutes. That was another one. I, I thought precious Achua. I mean, he didn't really do anything. Like he had one rebound and one block and then literally recorded no other statistics in six minutes, but they're plus five when he was on the floor. I, I felt like he was fine and he was holding his own. And I wasn't particularly worried about Xavier Tillman um, killing him. So uh, Tom Thibodeau on the minutes tonight, didn't, didn't love that, but I, I didn't think Hartenstein was great defensively in the first half, just looked like a step slow and didn't necessarily play with his typical level of intensity. Um, I thought this was one of the worst Dante DiVincenzo games of the year. And it wasn't even like that much of a disaster. Like to me, that's kind of just a testament to how well he's playing this year, but just did some kind of inexplicable stuff defensively. Like he was trying to top lock Luke Kennard, which is where you just like guard a shooter. And like, it's exactly what it sounds like. You, you like basically like sit on top of him. So like he just, there's no way he can get an open three pointer. Um, what that does leave room for though, is a backdoor cut. So you got to have a rim protector around the basket. And he was inexplicably doing it to Kennard when there was no one around the rim. So Kennard just back cut for a layup. That was frustrating. I thought his defense was a little lazy. He hit one crazy three where like it's, it's Duncan Robinson does this where he catches it and didn't even do a dip because it was a crappy pass from Randall. He just shot it right into the basket. So Steven Chenz was amazing. Didn't want to go two in on him. Josh Hart made some big shots late. Like I, I just saw it like early on. They could have used a little bit more energy from him. And like a game where Josh Hart doesn't stand out is always a weird one. And then OG Ananobi is with you too. Like a little bit of sloppiness from him. Um, Also something we can get into later. If, if you were interested in, in it, I thought he had some really Really nice um, bully ball lot, bully ball lies, geez, bully ball drives um, in this game that were a lot of fun to watch because he typically does not get the opportunity to do that. But against an undermanned Grizzlies team, he had some mismatches and he took advantage of them. But Alex, I am I am burying the lead here because Malachi Flynn was sick in ten minutes. You you've been in from the get go. I wasn't. It would be wrong for me to talk about him first. What what do you think of his great night? Yeah, I mean, well, first off, like. I don't know what to make of it because it seems like he's glued to the bench otherwise. So I don't even know if this is, and clearly, you know, in the second half, Tibbs did not trust him enough to throw him in for even another like five minutes, which was kind of bizarre mm -hmm. uh, and instead played deuce like the entire second half. So I, I don't know what to make of this, but I really enjoyed the 10 minutes he was out there. Like I thought that he played with pace. I thought that he, he was like showed Honestly, probably a little more off the dribble than what Deuce was showing you in the game as far as like the ability to just kind of game manage and, you know, bring the ball down the floor, get a set set up, you know, run the pick and roll or whatever, and then find an open man and, you know, get the ball moving the way it needs to move. I'm not saying Deuce wasn't doing that, but it, Flynn just had a fluidity about him that was better. It, it was like more aesthetically pleasing when he was doing mm -hmm. it. He looked, um, he looked like more, he looked like a point guard. Like, yeah, exactly. Is that easy to say? Like that, that's, that's what I felt. He looked more point guardy. Yeah, exactly. And you know, some of the chemistry, I mean, granted 
again, we're talking about Precious only having a couple minutes, but like Precious and OG with him, it it looked good. It looked a little symbiotic. Like, oh, well, these guys have played together for like three years, so that kind of makes sense. Um, you know, so it or well, I guess Precious slightly less than that because he wasn't drafted in Toronto. But either way, like two years that they played together. Uh, so it, you know, I enjoyed the minutes. Like offensively too, showed a little more than I thought. Like you know, made a three. Had a really nice transition take at one point where he he was uh you know ran down in transition had a nice uh, uh breakdown to get inside and finish a layup where he kind of like hesied a little bit and then got in there and finished up a layup like I really enjoyed every bit of his offensive game too so I don't know there was a lot to like I mean I feel pretty good about him now as like the third string point guard in theory uh, unless the Knicks end up going out and getting a a Brogdon or something. Um, but I thought it was pretty good for him. I, you know, I'd love to see more. I, clearly Tibbs did not agree with the sentiment, but I really hope that the next time the Knicks get up by like 20 or 30 in a game or something with the game pretty in hand that we see like another semi-extended run of Flynn and see if this is for real because his career averages would tell us it's not, that he, he has not been impressive to this point in his career. Like his he shoots like well under 40%. From the field, he shoots under well under 35% from three. Like these are not numbers you want out there consistently. But if he ever figures that out, he clearly, I think, showed enough in the ball handling department that he seems, you know, pretty serviceable. Yeah. And you, you I mean, you look, you have to give the quality of opponent um qualifier here. Like same, same with Deuce, obviously. Like maybe that made him look a little bit better than he actually is against legitimate NBA competition. But I I thought he looked amazing in this game. Like the first layup he had, like screen rejection, speed to the rim, lefty layup, like had a nice drop off to Julius. I think the one you were referring to, like like right hand to left hand switch in midair. The passing was good. Like, and I think this was kind of the the read on him coming out of San Diego state that he's a guy like he's like a point guards point guard. Like he has all the reads down. He has a layup package. He can make an open three. Like it just looks smooth. And I almost wonder like how the second unit would look if you gave him a little bit of run, like being the point guard and, and like maybe still keeping deuce in there. Like, especially if you're playing a smaller team and like just letting deuce like playoff ball bomb threes. And if, and if, if a backup shooting guard wants to ISO deuce McBride and you want to make that your offense, um, go right ahead. But that brings me to my next point, Alex, because that would push Quentin Grimes out of the lineup. And I am like, I, I I don't know if you have an answer on this. I don't know if Tom Thibodeau has an answer on it. Like, I really don't know what the Knicks are doing with Quentin Grimes at this point. And it's not all on, on Tibbs because Grimes is exceptionally inconsistent, obviously did not have a good game. One for five, one for four from three, played 15 minutes. Like, I think only played what, like, like a six minute stretch in the second half, a seven minute stretch in the second half. And like that, that's sort of been the story for him recently, like against Dallas the other day, like he had a great game. Like he was three for six from three, nine points, had three assists. He only played 15 minutes in that one. I thought his defense like really stood out, stood out in that Dallas game to the point that I was, I like, I didn't get to this when we did the pod, but I was sort of banging the drum of like, at least in my head to myself and to my roommate um, that like he should have gotten some time on Kyrie over OG Ananobi. Um, but it just feels like there's no real substantial role. And he's just a total afterthought on this team, even after both Emmanuel quickly and RJ Barrett got traded. And to me, that's sort of shocking because I thought he was going to play a bigger role. And like the, the question that some would fairly ask in response to that is, all right, where do those minutes come from? And like, maybe it's DiVincenzo on a night where like, I, I thought again, like I thought he kind of played like crap in this game. Um, did have four assists and four steals, which, which I didn't realize watching live. So that, that's pretty good. Um, but like he could have played less than 33 minutes or, or Josh Hart, who didn't make that much of an impact outside of some big shots late, could have played less than 29 minutes. And I, I think it is just that Tibbs 
does not have any faith in him creating an advantage. And he just wants every little bit of that as possible out there right now. But this this has me substantially worried about Grimes' long-term future on the Knicks. If there's still no role for him. I honestly have, I have like a very succinct thought on this. And it's basically mm. just that Tibbs needs a Josh Hart intervention. And basically needs needs to be shown like, hey man, Josh Hart has not exactly been lighting the world on fire lately either. Anytime that you think of playing Josh Hart at the two, just put Grimes in instead because it's probably going to work out better. Like you're going to have better spacing. Like it's clear that other teams respect Quentin Grimes from three. They do not respect Josh Hart from three. And we see how that gums up the gears when he's out there as the nominal two, because like then you're missing out from that spot. You know, it's literally the, I don't have to get too literal. I know that we talk about positionless basketball or whatever, but it's the shooting guard position. You know, like yeah. that's the guy that you want to be able to make some shots for you. you also, know? how did he not learn from the Heat series? Like that, that's where it really bugs me, yep. right? Because it was a disaster. And like he he's allegedly so into analytics now. And look at the lineup data. They were like 25 points better with Grimes out there. When Grimes shot 25% from three. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. He just doesn't seem to he he. It seems to it seems to be like an Emmanuel quickly type situation all over again, where it's just no matter what the results are, he has a certain thing in his head about Grimes right now. And you know, I didn't take a huge exception in this game to not playing him ton because I didn't think he played his best game and clearly the shot wasn't going down. But mm -hmm. on the overall, I think you got to start letting this guy like try to find himself again because we know what he can be. And you know, you made an investment in him by virtue of not including him in that trade. You know what I mean? Like you. Yeah, and by not including him in a Donovan Mitchell trade a year ago and not including him in any other, you know, rumored trades over the last couple of years, this guy clearly has big value to the front office. He's got to start having value to Tibbs and and then value to this team once he gets, you know, more playing time and and can hopefully figure some stuff out and start contributing at a high level again. So, yeah, I, I think that's that's the easy way I would find another five minutes per game for him. It's just anytime you want to play Josh Hart at the two, at the nominal two on the court, don't do it. Like, don't put him out there with OG Ananobi and Julius Randle and Isaiah Hartenstein ever again because you just never should. And instead, just put Quentin Grimes there. Like, nothing could possibly go worse in that scenario if you put Quentin Grimes there. You have enough rebounding. You have enough passing. Like, you've got enough of everything else you need that Josh Hart could potentially give you by playing it to two except for shooting. And then you get more shooting with Grimes and you don't lose anything on the defensive end. And he's a pretty solid rebounder, too. Like, he's, not, he's no slouch in that department. So... Uh, yeah, that would that would be my easy solution there, I think, and and that's probably about as much as I care to talk about this game at this point. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you, Alex. Uh, pessimistic note to end on a, a somewhat pessimistic win. The good news: the Knicks are six and one in the OG Ananobi era. That is awesome. Uh, they look great, and we'll see if they continue to look great this week. And we'll have it all for you here on Locked On Knicks. But until then, he's Alex. I'm Gavin. We'll talk to you soon. Peace out. <laughs>